The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, welcome back to Legit Bat. Today we have on Chaz, he's the author of Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. It's a story of Nazis, UFOs, psychedelics, and an expedition to the edge of the world. He kind of details his little uh, trip he took down to Chile to investigate an island that had uh, some crazy shit going on down there. And uh, he'll talk about it some more. You can find him on Instagram at Chaz of the Dead. You can follow us at Legit Bat Podcast on Instagram. And if you want to send us a beer, cash at me. It's uh, Joe Hodgson on Cash App. Enjoy the chat, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me on. Um, we're here to talk about my new book, Paranormal Expedition for the friendship um it's a uh, great to finally be on the show i've chatted with you guys a few times before happy to have you man uh, thanks for coming on good to have the official one in <laughs> oh are we cheersing yeah hang on i yep. gotta i gotta cheers. open a new one cheers. <laughs> yeah cheers. cheers the mic i got you <laughs> you and your coffee at fucking what is it eight o'clock at night I don't know, dude. I drank a 16-ounce Red Bull at, like, 6. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no one, and then he complains about insomnia. Actually, that's <laughs> funny, too, because that's, like, the first energy drink I've had all week. And I thought, you know what? Instead of taking a nap halfway through the day because I got four hours of sleep, let's power through. Let's really try to see if I can sleep tonight. I doubt it'll work, though. I don't fine. think so. So, Chaz, uh, how long, how many pages is your book? How long did it take you to go from starting process to finishing Protestants until you finally got a copy in your hands? Um, so the book is, I'm looking at it right now, it's about 254 pages. Um, it took me about two years to get it all um, put together, and that's from uh, starting research, um, and that includes going to uh, to, to Chile to investigate uh, in person um, and the field research involved there uh, and, of course, editing and all that as well. Um, quite a, a long process, but it, it's, it's, it's my baby. It was worth it, um, and it's been getting some, uh, some surprisingly good reviews. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been making a little bit of a scene. Um, have, have you guys read it yet? No, I have I'm, not. No, 
I plan on it though, especially after MU gave it that huge review. Uh, you could tell Ben liked it a lot. Not Ben, Ben, Ben Grundy. If you haven't listened to Mysterious <laughs> Universe, fucking listen to it. Um, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I thought it was great that they mentioned that too, that you actually got off your ass and did your own research. You didn't just sit back and Google shit all day. You actually physically traveled down there to look at it. Um, yeah, that, that's part that's been, uh, that's been getting, um, a lot of, uh, good reviews. Um, I was kind of surprised about that, you know, I writing the, the paranormal stuff and the research is a little different than writing kind of the, the travel portion of it. Uh, but to hear people find it really interesting and, uh, appreciate that kind of, uh, research. Well, how much did um, that put you out? Made it all worth it. That had to have been that, a, couldn't have been a cheap trip, right? Oh no! I spent um, all all the savings I had, which it wasn't much, but um, <laughs> I spent it all uh, doing that. And um, I did some volunteer projects along the way to to help with the the budgeting. Um, but yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely quite quite the journey. Um, I would love that just it, to do it, but you actually went there with a mission, and I saw some crazy shit along the way. I wanted to start out with your crazy UFO sighting, and I, I know people, uh, MU included, are talking, not really talking shit, but kind of, you know, downgrading experiences like that when you're on mushrooms or acid. Um, I don't know why. You should do it. It's, I think that's what makes that shit happen. I don't, I don't know if it's an attractant or if it's just something that happens that you can see because you're, you know, in that altered state but i thought that part was great when he said what do you do just do a bunch of shrooms and acid and see ufos i'm like yeah yeah that's what you do so start off with that um, one that that was uh before you went down to chile though right yes that was um when i first kind of started to to develop this um this kind of uh, appreciation for the phenomenon in a, a similar sense um that it's it's something maybe not quite entirely physical something to do with our our consciousness uh and experimenting with with those elements with uh, uh hallucinogenic drugs might allow you to to facilitate these kinds of sightings um so my initial experiments were on um i was doing mushroom teas and i was using a ouija board actually um, and, you know, as a paranormal investigator, I started out, you know, pretty traditionally with, you know, Ouija boards and ghost hunts and EVPs and those kinds of things. Um, I've since moved away from that kind of, of field, but it's, you know, everyone's kind of first. All right. Uh, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to explain cause I'm very much on the other side of the subject. What is an EVP? <laughs> Oh, electronic voice phenomenon. Um, it's nonsense. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, a Ghost <laughs> Adventures uh, episode, it's what those guys do, right? They sit in an empty museum and shout into the darkness, and then they listen to audio feedback and call it ghosts. Um, okay, because what I was going to say is a lot of a lot of the things that you're probably going to bring up, don't try to retain your thought process, because I might have to interject and ask what a few of these things are. <laughs> to me, it sounds about as bad as when my wife comes home with a bunch of military acronyms. I'm like, you're going to have to explain all of that because I know nothing about these subjects. Explain your nerd <laughs> shit. No worries. It's good to get the, uh, the uh, explanations here. This is going to be a very educational episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yes, I was doing mushroom teas and a Ouija board experiments. And that's kind of was my first... Um, kind of probe into the idea that these these uh, 
this phenomenon might be more, um, you know, just just playing with the idea that it might be more psychological or um, along those lines. And while I was doing them, uh, there's nothing really happened, right? Standard Ouija board stuff. Nothing really happened. I might have made myself move the the planchette a couple times, <laughs> got a couple letters, but I don't think anything significant came through. Um, I took EVPs of those sessions too and listened to that. Again, nothing. Uh, but I noticed a couple of very strange things in between my experiments. Um, I had done these experiments on the weekend um, around my day job at the time. And uh, during the week, afterwards in the evening, um, a few days uh, after one of these experiments, I'm sitting on the, the back porch with a friend of mine. Um, and we're, we're smoking a joint, so a mild hallucinogen there, but uh, we're not under any of effects of these mushroom teas. It's been days since I've taken any. Uh, and a large triangle craft floated, just hovered right over the house. Um, it made a, a kind of a mechanical hum, uh, but not too loud. Uh, it was very big, though, and it was very low down. I could have hit it with a rock. It was that close to Would you the, say it was something as close in size to, like, the Phoenix Light or smaller? Um, I'm... Uh, so it wasn't quite as large as, as that. I would say it was about the size of, you know... Uh, uh, a one-story kind of house, you know, it, it covered our house. Um, if anyone's familiar with the, the Gulf Breeze sightings here in Florida, it, it seems to be that same kind of typical triangle-shaped craft um, that a lot of people seem to be seeing in this this area. Um, it's, you know, just the big triangle with the three three lights. Uh, a lot of hypothesize. A lot of people hypothesize that it's uh, you know military tech. There is a, a military base, um, kind of up by the Panhandle there a little bit. There, people say, uh, experimental aircraft. I'm not so sure though. I do think this this sighting had a little bit to do with um, my my experiments. Uh, the second occurrence was right after I had taken some mushroom tea. Um, and I don't know if you guys are, are mushroom fans, very, uh, but very it much takes, so. you, yeah. <laughs> you know, it takes a, a little while for it to kick in, right? You got, you know, about, depending on how much you ate that day, about yeah. an hour or so before, for the rocket takes off. Um, you so get the yawn. The <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I had just sipped my tea and, um, I think I was smoking a joint again, um, uh, and looking up at the sky uh, when I saw a, I was actually watching planes kind of leave, you know, their chemtrails across the sky. Um, and I saw one bright light come into view and was watching it. And it suddenly burst. It almost kind of looked like an explosion. Uh, but it, into these several little pieces that scattered off in, in different directions. Uh, and I, I initially thought maybe it was like a satellite re-entering or something. It just looked like you know, that kind of explosion, but the direction of the, the little objects and all that, that was, it was very strange. Um, and of course I couldn't find any, any news articles about any other re-entries or just anyone seeing it other than me. Uh, so it was a, a very bizarre situation and that was only 20, 26 minutes after I had ingested the mushrooms. So not, you know, mm -hmm. I had still taken them. So many skeptics will say that that was that, 
Uh, I can say as an expert that that's bullshit because uh, it it takes at least an hour for those things to kick in. You'll get bored in an hour going, come on, something. You don't just see a fucking (laughs) UFO over your head. I was going to ask you, though, what do you think about military versus alien? I think we talked about that on a previous episode, but what do you think about the ratio of military to alien? Because I think a lot of it is military, but then it doesn't make any sense for me to fly something like that over your house if it's military. Like, what... Are they stupid? If it's an experimental aircraft, they're not doing that. Uh, well, so when it comes to UFOs in particularly, I, I hypothesize that um, there are physical crafts at the root of it, uh, but that these crafts, possibly because of their propulsion system, um, if it is this this anti-gravity zero-point energy uh, that some researchers have, have said, um, if um, if that's the case, then I think that these crafts cause psychedelic exp- psychedelic experiences um, to occur. Uh, if they exist in their own independent time and space, uh, the only way we would perceive that as human beings with our, our limited sensory abilities would be in a similar way uh, as to a drug trip. Uh, and that's why you have these these situations where people see strange worlds and uh, encounter these variety of entities is because they're tripping balls. Uh, but obviously something physical is happening at the same time. They're coming back with implants. Um, they're coming back with scars. Uh, you know, there's cattle mutilations associated with these crafts and these kinds of things. Um, so I think the the physical aspects... Uh, there, there's somewhere where the line is where it blends with these physical aspects and non-physical aspects, and that's kind of the area I, I try to keep my research at. So, you, um, I guess to answer the the, the question posited, um, I don't know. I don't know if the U.S. or any of military has a uh, an understanding of of one of these craft. Maybe they've acquired one. Um, I think Bob Lazar said they they dug one out of an archaeological site, um, but he also said that we the, our, our scientists were hopeless in understanding it, um, and I kind of think that's that's where we're at. I, I kind of hold the same belief when it comes to like AI research and things as well. I think we have a, a fundamental misunderstanding of how our our consciousness works, um, and it's. Uh, the idea that you can keep crossing wires and eventually get a, a conscious thinking being is, uh, you know, I think there's a fundamental uh, misunderstanding there. And I think exploring these these uh, parapsychological situations, what, what you know, science would call these, um, I think there's something to that. Because if you, if you sit there and look at the phenomenon, there's definitely, there's something happening. Um, and it's having physical uh effects on on reality uh, whether it's just individuals realities or reality as a whole uh, of course the the latter that's where it gets interesting right group sightings and and things like that uh where it gets it gets super interesting well uh, i like i like what you said about uh you know a fundamentally misunderstanding what is consciousness because we actually what like two or three weeks ago we did a consciousness episode and that was basically where we ended up was we were just talking you know what let's just take it away of what is consciousness let's try to 
first of all, let's try to just define that. Is it something that is strictly physical, created by a physical mind? And then we went, you know, we talked about transhumanism and then we talked about going into AI and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that consciousness can be created in the way that we're talking about the kind of consciousness that human beings have, or in this sense, any kind of paranormal uh, extraterrestrial kind of being, because I don't, I don't think that you could create, for instance, another Joe, you couldn't create another Jen or myself or you, because it mm -hmm. would not be you anymore. So like, yeah, you can cross wires and you can create something that is as close to consciousness as it is. But I mean, you're coming into the same age old problem as the Terminator movies and all of everything else when they start to quote unquote evolve. It's like, okay, but there isn't an actual consciousness there because there are things like thoughts and patterns that pop into your head as far as you're considered unannounced, but that you also think about the fact that they came in unannounced. That to me is like what consciousness is, it's the ability to have things happen to you that you don't know are happening or you didn't think that would happen. And then also be able to question it as to why exactly that came in unannounced, the thought a pattern or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I, I agree. I, I like what you said though about, misunderstanding the consciousness because i don't think that that's in any way shape or form where they're going to be able to go with it i don't think that you can create a human or other consciousness like that by crossing wires and trying to understand it i don't think that that's in any way shape or form how that's ever going to happen yeah right. i think it's the uh, same as uh taking a picture of someone like it looks looks like the person but it's you know it's not them uh, i don't think they can ever create enough AI algorithms to duplicate a person. That's why I don't think that uh, the transhumanism thing will work in the end. If you upload your consciousness to a computer, I don't think it's going to be you. It might be a exact carbon copy of you, but the original you is not going to be in there, you know? But anyway, we got rabbit trailed on fucking consciousness again. <laughs> so you had, didn't you have a second sighting, a second UFO sighting, or was that the one, the big one, the big triangle? The big triangle was was the the pre preliminary, um, you know, the real kind of sighting that made me think, um, well, there's something to these experiments. Um, and it was actually reinforced by a a report I came across by a researcher. I need, I believe his name was Jefferson Weekly, um, and this was from the '90s. And he had an abduction experience um, one night, you know, kind of the typical um, abduction experience. His was almost borderlining closer to sleep paralysis um, because it occurred in his bed and the little grays were, were around his bed. It didn't occur in a ship. Uh, but the part of the story that stuck out to me is that he felt that this happened because he took mushrooms a few weeks before. Um, and that was a similar, similar situation to where I was in, where I had taken it, uh, you know, it was a few days before, but it was well, you know, mostly out of my system at that point. Um, so that kind of has put me on the thinking that maybe uh, the microdosing is the, the best way to actually get these, these kinds of experiences big fan of uh, that, yeah. happening. Well, then where the fuck uh, are all our alien experiences? I know. We microdose all the time. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> hypothetically. one UFO, ever. <laughs> well, keep your eyes to the sky more, and maybe. Oh, we do. Uh, or maybe it we... is something about 
doing the the macro dose and then weaning off of it after some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tried some LSD experiments, um, which are also detailed in my book. Um, I went to some hot spots in in South America, some UFO hot spots, and tried some similar experiments. This time with LSD, um, some mixed results. Um, I didn't really see anything. Um, there was one photo with an orb in it, um, but. I don't really like orbs. <laughs> I think there's a, a lot of things that could could explain that. Uh, even it, it's a weird one, um, but there's no way. Of course, it could be a light reflecting off of something, reflecting off. You, you know, it's impossible to to truly say. Yeah. Um, the one strange thing that happened, though, we we uh, we hitchhiked up to this lake. Um, it was a dry lake bed called Lake Colvin, uh, t- tucked into the Andes. Um, and we, we did an LSD experiment, um, and my, my assistant, my girlfriend at the time, um, she took a little bit, uh, LSD too. Uh, and while we were separated on the lake, uh, you know, doing, just, just trying to observe anything strange, I, I quietly asked myself, you know, why, why, why would an alien visit this place? You know, what's, what's attracting, uh, aliens to this site what makes it a hot spot um and uh she about 100 yards away didn't hear me was completely off on her own thing uh but when i asked that question she started hearing auditory hallucinations she started hearing a a language she couldn't understand she had never heard before um and that that would only stop once we left the outer uh, the outer banks of the the lake there. Um, and then we did have to hitchhike back down the mountain while tripping <laughs> on LSD. Uh, and that was probably one of the times I've been most uh, wigged out. <laughs> you <laughs> don't say. Yeah, it seems like the start of a bad horror movie. Dude, sit, sitting <laughs> in your own house in the safety of your own walls on LSD uh, will make you bug out as it is. So I can't even fucking yeah. <laughs> imagine being in a different country, hitchhiking down a mountain. Jesus Christ, dude, you're a champion. In a paranormal hotspot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Expecting to see aliens. Jesus. It's funny, too, because like you walked into it. Like, I would completely sober be a little bit bugged out walking in there just because of where it's at, what it's known for. But you walk into it knowingly and then start that kind of trip. Oh, my God. I'd be paranoid enough smoking a joint. On my own. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that is definitely, um, it's definitely uh, something I'm cautious about. Um, Sounds you like, know, it. I, like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to be as cautious as I can. Um, I'm, I'm pretty experienced when it comes to my, my psychedelics, so my dosing's pretty good. Um, I know where to keep myself at to Have be able you- to. I know that you said earlier that you were doing some of the tea varieties. Have you uh, had or partaken in ayahuasca? Um, No, not yet. Um, I actually, um, I very much want to. Um, I've had, I had a plan to go down there. Um, It kind of got blown up with the whole coronavirus, no more traveling thing. Uh, but I was I planned to go down to to South America and go in the jungle. I'm gonna go and do oh it with a shaman. God. Dude, I looked into uh, it. You have and... to do it like that though. That's like the only way to do it. That's the right way. <laughs> That's the only ayahuasca way. Ayahuasca will I would be mad it. at you if you do it another way, and you do not want ayahuasca to be mad at you while you're on ayahuasca. 
Dude, I looked into trips down there, and it's um, not cheap, first of all. Just the resort itself is not cheap, and then there's airfare. But this was also a year or two ago before the whole COVID shit, so yeah. maybe they're trying to get about, more people uh, down there. What about peyote? Um, so I've done um, some mescaline analogs. Um, I've done, you know, the chemical form um, of peyote. Um you know, I lived in Mexico for a couple years, and I couldn't. I I tried and I tried. I went to some some markets that I had no business being at, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't really get myself some some peyote. Everything else seemed to be on um, available, but I think there was a little more respect uh, for the peyote, and they mm-hmm. wouldn't let give it to to me some as white a boy. foreigner just like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't deserve it. Uh, but uh, I got some connections. I think I'll, I, I might be able to swing it next time. The hard thing about doing those, my type of experiments in, in Mexico is just anywhere uh, in the field like that. It has an extra, it's a, a little more dangerous yeah. <laughs> than uh, yeah. a lot of the places. So uh, while it, it's fun, it's hard to conduct my research uh, at the spots in Mexico. Um but there's still some nice spots, and the pyramids and things are are all right. You can go there for a day trip. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, when it comes when it comes to your book, I know you said it was about 250 pages. Uh, after writing it, how was any or all of it? I know obviously there's alterations in the editing process and whatnot. What how, was there any parts that were just completely omitted that you kind of went, oh, I wish that that was in there. I wouldn't think that you would let something like that stay out of your book but i also know that some things happen in editing where it's like this isn't necessary was there anything that was condensed or omitted out of it that you kind of wish was in there um so i actually i actually cut out some of the jokes Um, (laughs) i had some jokes in there and i wanted to make sure i was taking you know at least a little more halfway serious (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> so I cut some of those out, and actually, if there's only any regret is um, I should have maybe cut out a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> Once you start uh, cutting everything out, so you're like, shit, this is dwindling. <laughs> yeah, well, the religion. There's a section um, on uh, the religious connections to this case, and I'm I'm a little harsh on those those connections. I don't really think much of those researchers, um, and it kind of shows in that section. Um, and that's all good and well, but I just found out my aunt bought a copy, and she's a little religious. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so it might, might make the next family gathering a little tense. <laughs> no, what you should do is show up to the next family gathering with, with a signed book for her. <laughs> <laughs> she already, well, I'll sign the copy she got. <laughs> um, but... Just to, to let, uh, just to get into the book a little bit more for the the listeners, um, I'm the the case um, hunt for the friendship is our my subtitle there, and the friendship are a group, uh, well, a group who claim to be extraterrestrials, um, based out of Patagonia, somewhere in southern Chile, um, and this group, they're tall and blonde. Uh, and they seem to generate this kind of aura that makes people really compliant. Uh, things you typically hear in, in alien cases, and more specifically in the contactee cases, um, kind of the cases in the, the 50s and the 60s that really started um, the modern UFO pop culture. Uh, interestingly enough, this case 
took place mostly in the 80s, some years after those cases were were kind of popular uh, in the the U.S. Um, and yeah, really, really quick, Chaz, for premise, context, and setting, what year was it that you actually made this trip down to Chile? Um, so that would be 2019. Um, that was oh, just last year. Last year. Uh-huh. I, I was down there doing the field research. I was there for almost three months, just a little bit under. Uh, that's the visa they allow you. Were you uh, all in the same area and kind of playing it by ear, or did you have a pretty strict itinerary for this? Um, so I did, like I said, I did some volunteer projects. So I kind of hopped around. I, um, uh, of course, Chile is a very long country. I kind of went to Santiago um, and then traveled south doing UFO hotspots um, and some other historical sites relevant to, to the book's research. Um, one of the most interesting sites I went to, um, and it would be an interesting paranormal site to investigate, but I was actually investigating it um, from a, a, for a different reason, and that was uh, Villa Bavaria. Um, so this was a place in, it's in southern Chile. Um, it was formerly called Colonia Dignidad, um, Dignity Colony. And it was set up by a German pastor. Um, and it was this pretty much this remote cult, uh, Jim Jones style, religious doomsday cult. That would uh, be an interesting place to go. <laughs> it was, it was very interesting. Uh, the, the guy who ran it, Paul Schaefer, he's in prison now, uh, but he was a child molester and he would, you know, he, they had their own school and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they would also cycle in and out escaped Nazis. Um, they had a hospital on the premise and Mangala was working there for a few years um, when he escaped. Uh, they had all kinds of, um, you know, former SS officers and these kinds of people. Uh, so I went there just looking into this idea that maybe these tall blonde people who claim they're aliens uh, might actually have a, a different heritage, a different origin. Um, the idea that maybe it's a it's not an alien hospital. It's actually a Nazi submarine base buried somewhere in the, the archipelago with the permission of the Chilean government. Um, and that's what made this that investigation kind of uh, strange is or okay. not permission. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, they found um, weapons caches buried uh, on the the property in Colonia just a few years ago. Um, old like grenades and stuff buried and saved. Um, and uh, there's been some suggestion that that was done with with some. Uh, knowledge of the military. When I was there, um, there were wedding albums, and surprisingly enough, people go to this this uh, <laughs> doomsday cult compound to get married. Uh, but it was mostly <laughs> military officers, you know, people in their their military uniforms getting married. So it seems that there's still a, a connection with that that group and some of the the uh, maybe uh, darker elements in the Chilean. Uh, government there so that was one place where i didn't tell them what i was doing <laughs> i didn't say hey, i'm here to write a book about ufos uh, it was kind of one of those things where i had to lay low and, and keep quiet do some snooping around at night um and it was it was definitely bizarre 
another bizarre place to to be on the ground investigating. Did you get the feeling in any of the sites that you went to being? I wouldn't want to say I don't want to say a tourist attraction, uh, but a known hot spot for that, where I'm sure that they get their fill of people coming to look at it, this, that, and the other. Did you did you get a feeling in any of the spots that you went to that some of it was, shall we say, more promoted um, than just it being a place that is a native spot? Like, uh, instead of it being like, you know, you hear from a native, like, actually, not a lot of people know about this, but there's a spot over there that's known for it. Mm -hmm. If you would like to go do some research there, it would be a spot that not a lot of people know about. Was, was, was there anything like that or was it was it more, I guess you could say, promoted hotspots? Um, so there was, there is this this portion just south of, of Santiago in Chile, they called the UFO Trail. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's just a, it's not really a trail, it's a, um, just a, like a bunch of sites along a few different towns. Uh, you can't walk it, you have to take, you know, the bus to each different location. Um, and some of the spots come off a little bit as, you know, the, the tired roadside attract attraction, you know, a little bit. They have a gift um, shop but and when shit. You, uh, when you talk to people in these, especially when you're, you're in the Andes um, and around the, the mountains there, people have stories. And they tell them in a, a way where they're not... Um, you know, they're not doing it for, for sales. And we were in the off season. We went to one, one location, Vilches Alto, um, which is tucked high in the mountains. I mean, it was snowing. We were trudging through, through snow and we were trying to visit this site. Um, there's some flattened stone shapes. Uh, there's an ancient aliens episode, uh, about this spot. Uh, it's, they said it was a UFO landing site. Um, but we went out there and it was, it was too much snow. There was no one there. Um, we, we actually walked to a couple different inns and hotels and knocked and they were closed, closed because it was off season. Um, and we were lucky to get accommodations, but the, the lady who did accommodate us was like, oh yeah, no, I definitely, I see them, you know, frequently. My husband's got some, some stories, uh, of leading people there and he won't, he, they, they told us a story where, um, her husband, who who does guides through the park, guided tours through the park, uh, he took these two guys out there who wanted to camp. And at first he said, no, I'm not camping out there. There's just too much weird shit. Uh, but they offered to pay him, pay him, you know, a, a double or triple rate. And, you know, he's going to take that. So they went out and they got to this. They finally got to these flattened stone works. Uh, where they, they say it's a UFO landing spot. They take off all their gear and they're walking around and they enter one of these these stone patterns that's you know carved into the side of this mountain. And uh, one of the, the travelers gets frozen and he, he can't move. And he has like this 15 seconds of, of pure paralysis. He actually went to light his cigarette and he was stuck in motion and couldn't light it. Um, and he, he got the other two guys to come and check it out and stand in that spot. And the exact same thing happened to them. For whatever reason, they were under this kind of paralysis. Um, and that was enough for them. They thought that was too weird. They packed their shit up and they left and they wouldn't <laughs> camp that night. Um and, you know, talking to, to the locals on the ground, you just hear stories like this um, so often uh, that and they're, they're told in a manner of, you know, like like two, two friends at a bar 
Um, and of course, maybe there's some some exaggeration here and there, but it definitely, uh, you know, they weren't selling us any tickets to the park. It was snowed. It was closed. Everything yeah, was I feel down. like I feel like you can tell when someone's being genuine. You know, when they're not trying to, yeah sell you on an idea or especially anything, old so. mexican ladies you you kind of have to believe them they're pretty they insist upon themselves yeah, you can't someone, just not believe like, them yeah, they're not in a big city they're just in their little you know world if they're, they're no i saw this mijo those are I the saw kind this. of people who are like that shit's not fucking real get real we do real work every day real stuff all the time so if they see something that's out of this world they're like holy shit i can't believe it right uh, yeah. why are you so interested in that case in the first place um, for me, it reached out to me as a, um, as a case that really kind of had, it kind of had it all. It kind of had all the, the different aspects, um, that all one can investigate the phenomenon from. Um, uh, of course you have your traditional UFO kind of angle, whether you take it from the psychedelic or the, the physical craft kind of explanation either of those could play into an explanation for the friendship case um then of course there's the the human explanation that it's it's nazis um and then to divide that one into you have nazis who may have ufo technology um or just your typical nazis hiding in a submarine base uh, and then uh what really struck me when i started doing the research was the uh, mythological connections, um, that there's some, you know, deep-seated mythology there. Of course, a lot of native tribes um, uh, from Patagonia have their own beliefs and systems, but one particular legend um, from the, the 1800s about a ghost ship, um, El Caluche, uh, it had some huge striking similarities to the, the friendship case um, in a weird kind of way. Uh, so the, the legend of that ghost ship is that it's, um, it's this ship people see that's um, it's always kind of more of like an advanced ship. It's usually a sailing ship, um, but it's, it's, you know, uh, they always describe it as being a high tech sailing ship. So back in the 1800s, that was, you know, like a, a man of war, big galleon with a bunch of uh, guns and really, really expensive, fancy ship. Um, later on in the, the, the 1950s, 60s, there were sightings of this luxury yacht that would hover just above the water. Um, and it's always considered this, this El Caluche. Um, and the, the members or the people who pilot this ghost ship, uh, one version of the legend is that it is uh, wizards, wizards who hang out around Patagonia and they go on this, this, um, essentially this party cruise every few years or every solstice. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but they, they go on this cruise and it boosts their magical powers and they, they fly around in this advanced ship and make deals with the locals. Um, and when you start dissecting the friendship legends, uh, that's that's kind of their mo. There are these these weird um, guys, and they're usually seen in a, a sailing vessel. Um, their connections to UFOs are are um, interesting, um, but they're not really that solid. No one's ever seen um, a member of the group walk out of a UFO. 
Uh, it's always just UFOs seem to hang around this group. Uh, and I think that's that this mythological angle, I think perhaps this friendship legend is just the more modern telling of, of that story. And that's one of the, um, uh, one of the more interesting angles that I kind of lean towards after, after doing all the research. Uh, but that's why I liked the case. It had it all. It had this, this kind of mythology, this human explanation, the UFO explanation. It's all, all up in the air. Uh, and I just, I just kind of had to know more about it. So for people who aren't familiar, because I wasn't, what is the legend of the friendship? So the friendship is, is a group um, in Chile that claim to be extraterrestrials. They're, they're tall, blonde. A lot of the times they wear weird jump, wear weird jumpsuits, you know, matching clothes. Um, they all give them, they all have these angelic names, uh, you know, Gabriel, um, uh, Michael, all the archangels are, are it's there. It's definitely a cult. Um, Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, there's some, you know, perhaps some occult significance there. Um, you know, some people think perhaps it's a fairy-like group, uh, but they themselves, the the UFO speculation mostly comes from them, them they themselves, uh, who say that they're they're aliens. Um, you know, their their planet is, um, you know, undescript. Their original planet. They don't really say. There's this idea that they are um, uh, as the uh, as with all the blonde ones that they're from um, uh, the Pleiades, they're the Pleiadians, mm -hmm. um, but they haven't quite said that themselves. I've seen some quotes of them coming from the center of the universe, um, which kind of leans more to that interdimensional uh, uh, hypothesis. Um, but they, they seem to have a base, or at least they claim to have a base uh, in Patagonia, in an island, um, and the the Chilean archipelagos, and there's there's several thousand islands in this this chain. Um, you can see it on your map. It's where South America kind of breaks up at the end there, uh, and it's it's beautiful, but it's remote. Um, the only thing that are out there are our salmon farms, and they have like maybe one or two people operating them. And then you'll go for another you know length of of miles dozens of miles without seeing anything and then there'll be another one uh, and, a, and an occasional small fishing village uh, tucked into these islands um, so it's a good hiding spot um, there's uh, of course the, the speculation also comes in that there's these possibility that that's where they built a secret Nazi base uh, because of the remoteness as well uh, and like the location I investigated before Villa Bavaria, which wasn't quite um, a secret Nazi base. It was more of a, a Nazi death cult, but um, it was remote too. They, they had this idea that they had to be away from, from society. Um, but so, this group, they, oh, go ahead. I have a really just quick question. What is so convincing about the friendship that makes it seem like it could be supernatural that, differentiates it from being a cult i mean it sounds like exactly what a cult would be i mean it sounds like scientology <laughs> it sounds crazy are there any stories that besides just ufo sightings anything from the friendship that could say okay that could convince somebody that has never heard of them that that it could be supernatural and not a cult 
Um, yeah, so that's where where I kind of landed as well, is there are some things that don't really line up with that explanation. Um, and the first is there's a few practical things. Um, of the people who have had, had pretty credible encounters with them, um, they all seem to be around the same age. Um, and if we're talking about a, you know, a, a remote Nazi death cult, uh, like the one we, I investigated before, um, the remnants of that one, uh, you would have people, you know, you'd have older people, you'd have younger people, you know, you'd have a, a population. Um, they also, every encounter seems to report this strange peacefulness that, that radiates from them. Um, and I found this, um, and I heard this as told to me in person as well with people who claimed to have encountered them in Chile. They said, yeah, there's this weird aura about them that makes you kind of calm and relaxed in their presence. Uh, and of course that doesn't really sound like a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't really line up as, as well. Um, there's now towards their connection to the phenomenon um, that comes from a few witnesses who, who communicated with the group, um, mostly through ham radio. They had a few encounters, uh, but it was a husband and wife duo. Uh, and they were talking to the group, mostly through ham radio. There was a large, well-documented UFO sighting over the capital, Santiago. Uh, and the, the this couple was talking to the friendship when it occurred and asked them, hey, can you make that UFO, you know, go this way, go that way, do a loop-de-loop. -loop. Oh, yeah, that they was in your book, right? The, they were able to, yes, they were able to control this, this UFO. Um, now, of course, we know nowadays it could have been a remote drone or something like that. You know, who knows? Just because they were able to control it doesn't mean they were piloting the the ufo on board right it doesn't necessarily mean they aren't you know human but they do seem to have this this connection um another um connection is that their ship the ship they seem to use called the mightless two um which people seem to interact with them uh aboard that vessel most often uh, ufos have been sighted around it and interacting with it by other sailors um, by the sailors on board who have been hired for these short runs um, and these these temporary smuggling missions, uh, they they encounter these UFOs while under the employ of these these members, um, and that's where uh, again another strange connection to that legend. They do seem to like to employ local people. Um, they like to pay them with um, chunks of platinum. Uh, rare metals, uh, strange objects, uh, sometimes counterfeit money. It seems to be, uh, they seem to have these connections which uh, could actually go both ways. The, the counterfeit money kind of loops back to them being a more human group. The idea of counterfeiting alone is a pretty human, you know, construction. Didn't the uh, the counterfeit money, though, it, it actually ended up, they ran it at the bank and it was good money? No, even, it was all the same. It was like all the same, but they... worth, like, millions. No, but the money, they ran it through and the money was, they said it was good, even though the serial numbers right. were, like, all the same. Oh, it was like, yeah, 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 this is good, this is good. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's all the same serial number. <laughs> How is that possible? Same, yeah. So that leans more esoteric. They tried to get it out of circulation and... 
um, the the person who received the counterfeit money was like, hey, this is this is fake and tried to get it out of circulation. And the banks in Chile were telling her that, nope, that money's good. We can't take that. Um, you know, it, it spends. Um, and but again, that might lead to perhaps the they're getting some kind of benefit from the Chilean government, um, you know, going they're, deep they're with it in cahoots. Yeah, maybe there's a connection there. Um, again, and those all kind of lead back to to the hu more human explanations. Um, so again, when looking at this phenomenon, I always, I always, despite my my radical uh, investigation techniques, I always tend to be pretty skeptical. Um, and when it comes to to ana analyzing the the friendship. Um, I think it's kind of a, a, a mixture of the, the variety of phenomenon that's going on that has kind of evolved into to this legend. Um, I think there very well could be a cult down there. Um, but I also think people are having UFO experiences um, and might be uh, uh, correlating the two. Uh, perhaps the cult is causing these UFO experiences. Perhaps they are doing some kind of, you know, weird rituals or something. Maybe uh, they're playing with mushrooms know, on and a Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they're taking a, a bunch of mushrooms and LSD and that's what's doing it. Good on them. But it seems um, the people in Patagonia uh, are definitely experiencing UFOs um, at higher rates than, than um uh, most every other part of, of South America and not just, um, you know, UFO sightings. Uh, the quote from the investigators there was that it's the highest rate of interesting cases. Um, and this means that they're actually interacting. Uh, there was a girl who was zapped by a UFO, um, in front of people in daylight. Um, you know, in a similar style to Travis Walton's, you know, fire in the sky abduction, where he was abducted in front of seven of his coworkers. Um, so it's, it's things like that, that are definitely occurring. Um, uh, I think maybe there is that, that, uh, need to maybe link it to this weird group of, of people. Uh, but again, there's these, these things, the, the aura um, they're, they know multiple languages. Uh, they seem to be able to heal people. Um, one of their, their most famed traits. Um, a lot of people go looking them for them specifically because of that part of the legend. They're looking for miracle cures and things like that. Um, so that's an aspect they share with, uh, a lot of the UFO, uh, encounters as well. Abductees who are, are healed and sometimes reverse become extremely ill. Uh, after in interacting with with the uh, the phenomenon, um, so it's it's still um, up in the air. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could stamp it and say solved, um, but uh, I, you know it's definitely something I'm going to uh, keep watching. I was actually able to add a whole section uh, at the end of the book of um, continuations of the the phenomenon I was writing about right after I left. There was um, a mass UFO sighting of these fireballs in um, Chiloy, which is one of the islands I was staying on. Um, and these, I think, five giant fireballs on different parts of the island, they touched down and they scorched plants 
but they weren't meteors because they left no debris. There was no ashes or anything. They just scorched the plants. Um, and uh, no one knows what that was. No one knows how to explain it. Um, cell phone video of all of them. You know, people saw it happen. Um, but it's just one of those things where people are like, oh, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that, why do people do that? That is that is fundamentally <laughs> terrible. That's why we're all like, wait, UFOs? What are those? Like, no, it's easier around. to shut off your like, brain. Shit's happening. There's something wrong with our world right now. I think there are different races of aliens, like whatever is on Patagonia. Like that might be a nice race. There's the greys. There's reptilians there's so many different things that are just visiting us and we're just like that dumbass planet that's like derp like there's other stuff there's not just us i just they're already here they're interdimensional they're among us <laughs> i'm not saying <laughs> i don't have any evidence of this but from all of the accounts i mean honestly i just feel like our whole planet is just retarded with that we're there's other stuff going on and they know they're like, yeah, these plant, these people are stupid. You just land here, go on this remote Island. We can just hide out for fucking years. They'll never know. <laughs> well, I actually think that's why it might connect to that overall consciousness question though, um, because if these crafts are, are physical and they create their own space time, uh, well, let me caveat this. I'm a believer of this idea of biocentrism. Um, which is what it's been called recently, but it's an idea that dates back to the, the Greek philosophers. And that is that nothing exists without, you know, being observed, um, you know, by some kind of, of life form. And if that, that holds true, then planets like Earth would be kind of uh, oases in a vast and pretty empty universe. So whether or not they're coming from other oases in our same universe or different ones from the multiverse, it would be as it's a truck stop. You know, you got to stop off at some kind of, of point and uh, you're you got to go to where there's stuff where it's actually where reality is being rendered for lack of a better word. If you know, you think of simulation theory, mm -hmm. as far as we can see is our little bubble of render. Um, so yeah, I think they would just come here because this is a place uh, and, and everywhere else isn't really a place because it's not really. Would well, uh, you think that we, the earth would exist like that because something is, on the outside observing us and that's why we're here is because we're being observed that's what it sounds like kind of that gets into like the hindu like vedic philosophies where we're all i love that just shit. The, oh yeah of rama, the of rama. Whatever. Yeah. when he breathes in we're that's it that's the end of it all maybe <laughs> um maybe we, our universe is like like the the um you know as above so below we're an atom in someone else's universe i, I love and that just, idea actually uh, i mean i love it and hate <laughs> it at the same time but it makes a lot of sense i think of that one all the time <laughs> i was just talking about how i think vitamins and medicine are aliens or i wasn't saying they definitely are <laughs> i think we were on mushrooms maybe at the time but i was like whoa what if aliens abducting us is medicine coming into someone's body or whenever someone dies of a disease that's like the medicine killing all of us ridding it like of the, the cancer on like an atom in their body and they have cancer i don't know it's kind of dumb but it's yeah. fun it's always <laughs> fun stuff to think about cancer. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> philosophy there's okay, a lot of people that have medicine that a lot of people that opposed to that too though because they think that humans are actually way more special than we're led to believe 
Because if you believe that humans are the cancer on the planet and all that, and we're just a speck in the middle of nowhere, it kind of diminishes, like, a human's life, which seems pretty egotistical to me, too. But it does make sense. Like, there's some, there is something special about the way humans are that is different than anything else that we've at least observed so far. So there's that. There's two sides of the argument, like always. Yeah, I think, um, and I think it is, there's the, the, um... Uh, so I actually think of it somewhere in between. I think the, re- the humanity is special in the idea that we have that we are able to have this higher level of, of consciousness, that we're able to to exist in that that higher realm. I think consciousness is non-local, um, so that you know when you die, it, it goes somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, the, whatever that energy in your, your, your meat salad up there is, <laughs> it blasts off somewhere. Um, but, uh, I also think that that's pretty, uh, I think, you know, most life forms at certain degrees are, are, they exist enough to generate reality. Uh, right. If we continue with that, that whole idea, um, if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around, does it make a sound? The answer we're always taught is yes, because vibrations. I think the answer is yes, because there's birds and bugs and yeah. <laughs> things around yeah, there no, to, like to hear it. If there is no eardrum, if there is nothing to feel that sensation of vibration, then there is no sound. Uh, that's where we're sensory organisms. So I think we're, we're special in the fact that we're we're conscious we're we're hopping around in a uh kind of a cosmic energy form from here and there but i also think you know so do the the dogs and the bees yeah well <laughs> so that's that's where that, that the, the vedic idea of the brahma and all that it's kind of a fractal idea of you know like mm-hmm. a tree the way that uh fractal yeah, how, how else system. do you explain fractal <laughs> But if, yeah. if you think of it like that, and we're on this planet, and we're super special living organisms with consciousness, that means that a fractal of that is something uh, a thousand times crazier than we are, and it makes us not that special at the same time. Yeah. So it's like we're special in yeah. our own space and time, but whatever fractal is a hundred times out that way is just even crazier, and we can't even think about that. No, but I like what you said, too, that people, when they even pose the idea of if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, like, who's no one? So I like that you said there's bees and birds and other shit that have ears, mm-hmm. man. Like, it doesn't have to be a there's person. There's definitely an ant <laughs> colony that that tree smashed. Back, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make a fucking sound. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do think that the at the without that being there, without something to, to feel those sensations. I mean, when it comes down to it, we are just our, our five, our five senses, um, six and seven cents, um, would be, uh, space and time. And this is kind of what Einstein was getting into. Uh, and this idea that, uh, the closer you're traveling to the speed of light, the shorter, objects become for the observer and the the slower time moves for the observer uh so there was kind of this knowledge in his his research that it only affects those individuals and that's what i think is occurring when it comes to the ufo phenomenon i think that like i said we're when you're traveling wherever they're traveling to you've got to hop between these rendered realities 
um, Earth being one of them because it has conscious life. So they've got to hop here to get wherever they're going. And that could be from a different reality or a different solar system or, or whatever. But that ability to hop like that, they have to be able to alter their own space and time. Uh, if you could create your own gravity or travel at the speed of light, then you could, you know, travel in an in instant. You, you do the the Star Trek analogy where they fold the paper and you punch through, oh, yeah. right? Warp speed, all that. Um, but you, would, you just have to have actual, you know, rendered physical places to go. Um, so that's kind of why I think it takes out the, the why they're here. I think we're just, you know, for the most part, stopping by. Some of them are picking up people, seems like. Some of them are picking up cows, seems like. Um, yeah. but or cows assholes the, at least they're just like whatever it's an experiment reason. it's the same as what we do when we're like oh cool what's a bug look like on the inside let's dissect a frog in class today like they just maybe an alien get, getting cow balls such a lower life form to them <laughs> i dissected frogs in class like we all got a scalpel out and dissected a dead frog so that means Tons of people or tons of frogs died. They went out and killed a bunch of frogs and they're like, we don't care about this life form. We're going to dissect it and learn about it. And I feel like if there's some higher life form, they're going to do the same to us. They don't give a fuck. No, I mean, if they're coring out cows, assholes and taking their balls off, maybe it's like us carrying around fucking rabbit's feet. I mean, how long has that been going on? That's pretty fucking weird, too. I've had cow tongue tacos and it's pretty good. (laughs) Lengua. Yeah, they might just be eating cow nuts. Who knows? Benjamin, Benjamin, Good you're super quiet. Can can you hear me? Uh, I think he's talking to Lonnie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, for the distraction. That's why I t- turn off my mic. This is why yeah. you go into the laundry room to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you no longer have the counterpart parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Uh, well, no, because I was listening, and and a lot of what you guys are are talking about just to cap everything that I've heard since we came back from the break. Um, A lot of that type of stuff is what I would consider like a really good novel. Um, (laughs) Just, just coming from, from my point of view and what I believe is like, it's super interesting. I, I enjoy hearing about it. I enjoy learning about it, but at the end of the day, I look at it and I go, well, that's a good thought. Like, I, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really know what I think about it just because I'm not very learned on the subject, first of all. Do you well, think we're alone secondly, in the universe? Not, what's that? Do you think we're alone in the universe? Uh, I don't know. Uh, honest to God, I, 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 no one I, does. I would put, uh, yeah, I, that's why I we talk about I this. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't tell you whether we are or not. Um, I think that if and when we get solid evidence, contact, things like that, it would absolutely 100% not blow me away. I would be like, oh, that's some crazy shit. That's what sci-fi yeah, is for, pre-programming 2020, yeah. 2020 happened <laughs> last year, too. You know what I mean? Like, to me, the idea of us learning about any of this, to me, is just kind of, okay. I mean, we've been kind of on that track for a long time. The other part of me thinks about, you know, Joe, you've made a lot of jokes about it before. You know, uh, one of the posts that you made on Instagram was 
close to the guy making the dumb face. And it was like 1900s. Letting blood will help you cure disease. And then it kind of goes through like a list of things. Wearing a mask, well, you know. Yeah. And I, my first thought was I was like, yeah, see, that's, that's one of the things that I keep coming back to is all of these questions and Chaz brought up all the way to, back to, you know, ancient Greek philosophers, guarding stars, doing all of this type of stuff. It's like these evolving questions that people have been asking for a long time. We're at an age now where we actually have supportive technology and advancements that actually aid us in finding out more questions to the human body, the human mind, anything outside of that. The idea of what consciousness is. I mean, back in the day, people called it your soul. It was something that, you know, you couldn't put a finger on that makes that person you. Um, and Chaz brought up, you know, when you die, you know, it goes somewhere. So all of these different levels of things that are still widely talked about, they're widely accepted more and more as fact instead of in 1980s, you know, sci-fi movie where everything is overly dramatized and grotesque. <clears throat> Spaceballs. <laughs> and star troopers um and like all of these all of these different ideas that you have i think that the more that that becomes common knowledge the more that people start to accept it as yeah i mean there's too much evidence that we are alone um it 100 would not at all surprise me but at the same time this is why we're all still talking about it on a hypothesis level. Well, what you were saying, though, about go out and research. being in 2020 and having all this information is it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. There's also just as much, if not more, misinformation, disinformation, sure. purposeful misleading mm -hmm. of the populace. There's a lot of fucking that, too. So there might be way more information, but it's way harder to sort through now. You're trying to, like... Well, pick things out and be like, eh, does this make sense? No, this doesn't make sense that's, with that. But. That's why I, I, whenever I think of the idea, especially in the last shit, I would even say 30 years, much less 50 to 100, is this idea of kind of like this big bubble that we went through. Um, everybody, you know, 50 years ago, they stayed in their lane. You know, even some of, you know, our parents and people like that, that they don't accept any of this kind of information um, as anything that's plausible. And I think part of us went through this thing where our technology and our informational age got so big that everybody's minds kind of popped. And inadvertently, whether you like it or not, you have been red-pilled if you live in today's day and age because of all of the information that has now come about. But that end of that bubble is that everybody came back when they started realizing that disinformation and misinformation were also just as widely spread that you never can really, you kind of just have to look at everything and go, where do I, where am I going to stand on this? Am I going to, am I going to, because you got to take the bad with the good. You got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And so my thing is, I'm like, I kind of am back down now into just kind of staying back in my own lane because I go, I don't, I, I don't know how much of this is disinformation and how much of it is true. So I wouldn't really honestly be surprised either way. Now, I'm if, if it was completely, completely right there with person. you. That's why we're all down the middle and why we all get along. Chaz, what, did, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was. I just appreciate that um, that perspective, and I think, um, yeah, it gets into the 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 theory level. It does get um, a little, you know, eh. Um, and I think it is important to to go back to the the physical, um, and that's where it really uh, hit hit for me because i initially i was you know you know doing some ghostbuster stuff when i was i was younger that's kind of how i got my my entry 
Um, but I started really being intrigued by the UFO phenomenon because of all of the, the physical aspects involved, um, especially the alien implants. Um, I think it's, um, I hope I quote it right, Roger Lear, the podiatrist who oh, yeah. took out these oh, implants. Yeah, I that. Um, he, they're weird. I mean, he's taken out these metal corkscrew things mm-hmm. that look like, uh, they just look bizarre. These little pill-sized grains of rice that are like these clear technological little bits in there. Um, and there's all these things and, um, you know, these people are coming to him and saying, hey, I had an alien abduction and they put something inside of me. And he, being a doctor, said, okay, well, let's look. <laughs> let's look at, let's check this out. Let's see if there's something inside you. And he's found uh, repeatedly all of these 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 pieces um, and I, f- I find it very interesting because of course you know the skeptics like to use um Arkham's razor or whatever Abraham's um, laser Ben you missed out on that one but that was a, a Ryan joke from the last podcast we did with Dangerous World he's like Brandon what do you have this fucking Abraham's laser thing or whatever and Brandon's like uh Arkham's razor <laughs> That's like great. the joke that they made on Big Bang Theory. Uh, <laughs> I, go ahead, Chaz. I'll let you finish what you were so, saying. So the, you know, it comes down to to are these people making up a story, but not only just making up a story, concocting these rare <laughs> little devices out of rare earth minerals, minerals that aren't that common on Earth, and then injecting themselves in a surgical fashion, or are they telling the truth? that's a lot more of the line that i take too is that i you know a lot of people they say i'm cynical and that's more more true than not for sure um but part of what i look at is i go in order for me to open up my brain to it other than like i said it being a good story i have to have something that moves past the hypothesis and theory point of view i have to be able to see something or at least uh be provided physical evidence of it. See, things like what you just brought up, that would 100% make me go, okay, here's some valid evidence for me that mm-hmm. shit like this is happening. That 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 would provide it. I watched the whole uh, documentary on, I think they made it in 2005, on the Phoenix Lights, and how, like, thousands of people called, and they were talking about the triangular form of the spacecraft. They were talking about you having six lights instead of the three that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of light was like a, an illuminated ball of gas. There was no, uh, like I guess you could say, diode or anything like that. And that was actually a point of light in it. It was just glowing. Um, there was all these things, and they all lined up so hardcore that I went, you can't collectively get thousands of people with a scripted cause to mm-hmm. not fuck up enough that people would go, this is bullshit. And they had so many people that all said the same exact thing all within a matter of a few hours that people that I looked at it and I went, this got to be true, whether or not it's the military, which honestly, I don't think that most of the military bases have anything even close to what we're talking about. I think that if they did, there would be a select few. And I see our government being like, yeah, let them think it's the military. That's one more distraction. We right. Have no idea what but the there's the other side of that, that too, and all right, exactly. Also going, 
Yeah, let them think it's aliens. Fucking whatever. That's our shit. That's why. That's why right. we uh, have these talks. Uh, I like what you said earlier, though, about hearing something like this and thinking, "Oh, it's just an interesting story." But when there's so many of those interesting stories that overlap over, you know, right. years and decades, you'd be stupider to not look into it a little bit, maybe just even a little bit. Well, for instance, like just to write it all seen... off as as poppycock is ridiculous one of the guys that supported the phoenix life when he was in in phoenix and this happened he was a 40 year ex pilot jet fighter pilot for the navy and then afterwards was a commercial pilot and he said he goes i've been around these kind of aircrafts i've had classified clearances i've done this that and the other he goes i have never seen anything like this he goes and i figured with the way you know with my uh i guess you could say his is uh not resume but his resume like i would be able to pull some weight with supporting these claims and when i realized that i was one of a several thousand people to exactly identify the same things that they thought i thought for sure this is going to be looked into and he's like of course it wasn't it was all passed off as hearsay but when i but when i look at testimonies like that i go Okay, so then there's obviously something to this. I just have a, I guess you could say I have a very, very, very big grain of salt whenever I hear stories like this for me to actually go, okay, there's, there's something there. There has to be something there. And, of course, you can take collective you know, patterns, and I know, Joe, that you've talked about, uh, I forget what the, um, the podcast was that you were listening to for several years there, um, it's probably Mysterious Universe. That's who What's featured. That? Probably Mysterious Universe. They featured his yes, book on their. Yeah, but we talked about that at yeah. the beginning. But that's what so I mean is that after that so many, of. after so many stories and so many reports and all, there's there's plenty of video evidence too. Most of it's shitty because people have shitty cameras. <laughs> have you ever tried to take a picture of the moon with your phone? It looks like shit. Try getting <laughs> a UFO going thousand miles an hour across the sky. Of course, it's gonna be shitty. But there's plenty of other... I heard something on another show the other day. They're like, what is the most definitive uh, defense in a murder case? An eyewitness testimony. And for some reason, when eyewitnesses see UFOs, they're like, nonsense, you didn't... It was a weather balloon. It was swamp gas. I think that was yeah, right. that's right. when eyewitnesses been. become uh, it, I heard that uh, no longer credible. Yeah, yeah. when... When it's something that they don't want to hear. You see, so that was on that was on MU. Also, they said, "How many eyewitnesses do you need for a murder?" And they were like, "One." And that one person's testimony is like basically all you need. But when it's one person seeing a UFO, they're like, "Fuck you, you're dumb." Well, yeah, and in Texas, if they have two or three eyewitnesses, they send retards to the chair. So I mean, it's it, it it doesn't take much for people to make a, an assumption, and of course, if our government says it is what it is, a lot of people believe it. Um, I will say this though: I, as anybody who is in any kind of specialized field, I do appreciate you going out and actually, like Joe said at the beginning, actually physically being there, going going through the research rather than just reading the research to you know base what you've done off of, because that to me is the first step towards any kind of validity is if I can talk to somebody who's actually been there and they've done it and they've they've experienced it, that that to me holds a lot more weight than just 
while reading a novel. You know Basically, I mean? we respect no. you for not doing what we do. <laughs> I, I respect you for not being a complete piece of shit. How about that? Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, it's something we've lost a little bit in the uh, in the, the paranormal community. Um, I'm so tired of seeing the same, you know, rehashed Ghost Adventures episode. Everyone goes to the same, like, five sites in the U.S., um and calls it you know research um and to actually you know be able to go and and work on a case be there working on it for you know two months to uh, almost three months uh just focused on that project um it's it's definitely um it was definitely worth it, it definitely uh it's something i i hope more researchers continue to to work cases more aggressively like that uh, I don't really believe in anything that's accomplished by this kind of fly-by-night uh, tourism style, one-night, overnight investigation, talking to your EVP voice recorder. <laughs> uh, I think there, there needs to be a more research-focused, um, but also, you know, get out and try experiments. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have to be LSD experiments. But there's been some really be. fascinating work being done with uh, Gansfeld experiments, um, with the, the sensory deprivation and those kinds of things into investigations, um, and all that stuff. That stuff's, uh, you know, how we're going to get closer. Um, and uh, to to Ben's point before. Um, the book is a lot of good stories. I do try to make it entertaining. It's it's a lot of good stories. Um, I, I keep my analysis, you know, uh, kind for the most part. Not all the time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, definitely entertaining. Um, and that's why a lot of these, these fields get looked into. Um, but we are we are left with, with kind of scraps that I think we... Um, you know, we can we can theorize and we can kind of put together. Um, I think when it comes to, to just the nature of UFOs, I think it's very similar to the nature of um, artificial intelligence. It's a thing where we were we're kind of there. Like we get the idea of uh, we get the, the idea of a computer and how it kind of works like a brain. Right. And we get the idea of a plane. And how it kind of works like a UFO. It's it's kind that's kind of where we're at. We understand the ideas of you know a vehicle, but we're we're missing some kind of main component. Um, and whether that has to do with only what the propulsion system is, um, maybe that's what it is. Uh, but I think that for for now, what we can take is we can take these sightings and these cases. Um, you know, some more credible than others. Of course, frauds are out there, um, and you got to be on your toes and, and looking for that. You know, always check off your human explanations. Uh, but you you are left with um, with these stories and these evidence that I think is people are are experiencing a lot of times. So many times when I'm hearing these experiences, whether it's in person or through research. I, I say to myself, that person's on a drug, a drug trip. <laughs> they're, they're tripping balls. And you would uh, know. Maybe they don't know it, right? They just don't know how to explain it um, because they've never done it before. And it seems that these, these experiences correlate with these psychedelic experiences. 
Um, missing time seems to be one of the main factors. Um, and I've had drug trips where I've lost a couple hours. <laughs> uh, and I've had ones where, you know, even anyone just, you know, who's had a night where they've closed their eyes and opened their eyes and it was morning, right? Uh, that's a, a sensation. That kind of thing happens when there's chemical alterations in the brain. Uh, and that's something that we see in, in many UFO cases. You have the high strangeness. Um, Jacques Vallée cited an example where he found a stack of pancakes uh, in the location of a UFO landing. Oh, he yeah. hiked it up to this location miles into the woods, many miles from any diners or anything. To, to look at this UFO landing site, and there was a stack of freshly cooked pancakes. Weren't they missing salt or something? There was some weird thing about that where they were missing salt <laughs> yeah, or like salt baking soda or, or something. Or something. They were gross. He tried one. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was. But, you know, anyone who's, who's taken a bunch of drugs and frolicked through the woods, you tend to find weird <laughs> shit like that. Um, and again, it's those little, little lines where when you're tripping, you, you're convinced it's a sign from the universe. Um, and you know, according to some of this research, you know, maybe it is, maybe it has something to do with, uh, you know, seeing these creatures. Um, and it, it kind of extends to, to Bigfoot sightings and, and all paranormal sightings, uh, poltergeist sightings as well. I think it um, it's, main effect is on consciousness and then everything else that occurs is kind of a side effect of what's what's happening with uh with your consciousness um that's why you can have group abductions where people see different things uh because you can have a, a group trip where you see different things um and again this is even more theorizing so stay with me ben uh, <laughs> i think that perhaps Whatever kind of faster than light travel device, if these are, you know, physical entities at the end of the day, um, whatever it does is having that space time altering effect on the observer. And we as human beings just haven't realized that that's what it looks like. It looks like a drug trip. Um, so these people who are describing these crazy, you know, experiences while they're on board, and these strange, you know, um, subdued effects is is because I think they're under the influence of of something. Um, that or maybe it's just like a really crazy MK Ultra project. <laughs> you want to take it from the human? Oh shit! That's just... a that's another episode, buddy. We got to yeah. do that one. <laughs> it could just yeah. be that. Who knows? That's why this is so fun, though, because you can t spend all day thinking about it, just talking connecting about dots that aren't there, as they say. It just keeps going and going. <laughs> did Did you want to uh, close out with anything? I know it's super late, uh, there, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no worries. Um, if you want to add any more dots to your map, pick up my book, Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. Uh, it's a story of UFOs, Nazis, psychedelics, and an expedition to the edge of the world. Available um, on Amazon, right? On Amazon. Yep. Find it on Amazon, guys. Ebook and paperback. Uh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks.